1: 1017 FM, 710 Keel Mike and McCarty on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline. Former Shreveport City Councilmember LeVette Fuller. Good morning, LeVette.
2: Good morning. I hope I'm caffeinated enough
1: for this. <laughs> oh, you're going to be fine. Look, I do have a question before we get into this. Um, is Lewis Hamilton going to Ferrari? <laughs> oh, my God.
2: Seriously? Have you heard that? Look, I don't see not,
1: him leaving Mercedes.
2: I think a better you remember the whole um Taylor Swift and um Fernando Alonso? Now it's Shakira and Lewis Hamilton. Uh, Let's keep it in the shallow end, okay? Yeah, shallow okay? Okay,
1: sorry about that.
3: All right, the master plan review, um I am told you requested a kind of an update. Let's see where we are. Uh, how much have we accomplished what is still yet to do Uh, and the council passed that tell us how that process came about why you made the request why it's we're moving on it
2: um that's exactly the reasoning for it is to see where we are as a progress report and there's a certain amount of monitoring that the that the staff can do but i remember when we went through that entire process we had a lot of community meetings people expressing what they want wanted for the future of this city and that's what went into the plan and then the unified development code was meant to inform that plan by saying these are the things you want this is kind of a roadmap to getting there in the form-based code which didn't need to be updated anyway so they go together but a lot of what was said in the plan we wanted more walkability, get mm-hmm. a lot of young people showing up saying, we want our city to feel more like the places we visit. We want to be able to, like, have things that we enjoy closer to where we actually live. We want to be able to work close to where we live and be able to take a, other means of transportation outside of a car every once in a while or more often. But what we've done, and a lot of that was focused on, let's develop inside the loop. Now, everyone will tell you, uh, God will last when man plans, And what's happened is the market is indicating that people want to be in areas that are further from the core. There's a lot of reasons for that. We could go into all of those, but that's going to take a podcast. But basically, so much more development is happening at the edges that I wonder if we were lying to ourselves.
4: Mm-hmm. Like,
2: When an architect comes to your house, like, okay, if you're building a new house, an architect will often check out how you live and see your habits. You know, a lot of people put, like, a shoe rack next to their front door. Like, those shoes aren't going to the closet. If you keep taking your shoes off right here, then you need to have a shelf right here. Yes. If we keep putting things at Fern Avenue, then we need to quit pretending like we want to rebuild the core urban area. Fern Avenue and and 70 is basically like the center of our new business area. So
3: the the when when the MPC put this RFP out, I'm um, I'm curious why they did it and not the city council for one or not the city and then secondly
2: disappointed that only one company responded. Okay. I think that the appropriate people to put it out are the MPC, the Metropolitan Planning Commission. It's a separate entity. Yes, they are funded by the city, but they are a separate entity. They create their own budget. They have their own governing board. They are in charge of planning land use for this area. So it's appropriate for them to put out their own RFP. I am disappointed that there was only one response, and it makes me wonder what was in the RFP that me too. only attracted one. It's suspicious. I mean, am I wrong?
1: Is it a matter of well, public
2: record? It is, but yeah. sometimes I don't. There's something about the bureaucracy of street and I've had people tell me this before. You know, people who do a lot of municipal work across the country will tell you when you see a big price tag, you're looking for those. If you're if you're an outside firm that's looking to work with cities, you're looking for the numbers, and then you're looking at what's listed. Sometimes a big firm is going to look at what you have and decide whether or not. What you're asked what you're willing to pay and what you want are realistic. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like you know you can want you you can want someone to come in and build you something that's valued at a billion dollars. You're only paying two hundred and fifty thousand for it. You're not being realistic. We can't take your r f p real uh, seriously. I don't know if that's exactly what's happened here, but I think sometimes the money might be right. But the expectations are still off base. And a city or a planning department has to be explicitly what they want and they have to market that RFP. The question is, the same as when we do a job fair, where are you marketing your job? Mm-hmm. Where is the city going to market and recruit? Where did the MPC go to market and recruit?
1: Talking with LeVette Fuller, former Shreveport City Councilperson. LeVette, uh, a moment ago, you said we're lying to ourselves when you're talking about city development. Explain a little bit more about what you mean by that. How okay. are we lying to ourselves?
2: I think that we have the patterns that we are kind of in. Part of it is where the people with money are willing to put their dollars in investment. It's a lot easier to build on green, blank land And to go into areas that already have something on them and reconstruct them. And then when you add in our low median incomes and our crime, people who have X amount of dollars for doing development are going to go where they're going to get the best ROI. And in Shreveport right now, that is going to be south-southeast. And people don't seem to mind traveling to Target, traveling to Southern Loop, and moving to those areas because they are attractive and it gives them away from the areas that they think of as disadvantaged. Now, when we first started seeing when Target and Kroger went up at Uri Drive in 70th, we should have been paying attention. When all of that area, I mean, I love being of a generation that can say, I remember when all of this cotton field, <laughs> yeah. when that area started being something else, we should have been paying more attention to what we could do to incentivize going back into the core areas to make them attractive. Lots of cities go through this. You can't just say, well, I want this and stamp your feet like has thought from Willy Wonka. When you don't get it, you have to make it appealing. It has to be incentivized. If you want to make a real go at it, we will put a plan on a shelf and then say, oh yeah, well, we meant to do that. But all the developers want to go here. Well, that's part of it is the developers are going to go where their money is going to stretch the furthest. But the other part is, what is the city doing to make those other areas that are challenging more attractive? Just like Tim Macker said,
1: with the adjudicated properties, it's hard to do business within, you're not going to invest in, in property that you don't own.
2: And let me tell you, Tim and I were both on the transition team. I got to chair the Blight Committee and he was like my right hand. Like, Mm -hmm. he's one of my best buddies right now. We don't agree on everything, but we have really, really great conversations about this stuff. Where we both agree is that the city needs to figure out a policy and mechanism to put that that, those pieces of property back into commerce. Mm -hmm. It's difficult. Some of it's gonna be a challenge at the state level, but we have to start putting our best brains toward how we can navigate that. We have to hack those issues so we can make better use of what's existing our tax dollars go further if
1: One hundred and one seven FM, seven ten KEO, Mike and McCarty on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hot Wine Hotline with uh, Levent Fuller. Did you say wine? Hot wine.
2: <laughs> I'll drink it.
1: Some some hot wine right now sounds pretty good.
2: I'm I'm actually having my Lions Pride Lumberjack coffee this morning. Go to lionspie. dot com. the local roaster. It's delicious. I'll
4: have
1: to oh I'll Is have it to in your it. Mercedes mug? <laughs>
2: Actually I stay back for when I'm traveling so I can be uh, super ostentatious about it. There you um, go. Um but yeah. Lavette, let me ask
3: you let me ask you this. Uh excuse me, Miss Fuller.
2: <laughs> let me let me ask you
3: this see um, you see, what I just posted on Facebook. Oh gosh, oh god, I will have to go look. Um Question about the review of the master plan: some are suspicious, and I and I know you you're not in the middle of this. We only got one one proposal, or Bill Robertson's chair of the MPC, and also on Allendale Strong. But some are suspicious that the review is only to change the route of I forty nine. that's completely not why you requested a review. Is that am I right?
2: That's, you're correct. You're correct. In fact, um to Strong, Plenty of them are my friends. I, I care about their position on things, but they've actually been very critical of my group, Reform Tree Sport, because we won't take... We don't often talk about I-49 because it takes all the air out of the room, and there are so many issues as far as how we plan this city that we can't let one issue be everything. I watched that... uh I watched the presentation last week and here's the deal. They started off with the premise of our road planning is not being communicated along with our land use planning. That is true. But then they immediately dived into Mm I-49. And I think that they missed an opportunity to talk about the whole big picture. And that's my point. Once you bring up the highway, everything else kind of just goes I mean everybody starts looking like STEM characters that have run out of fuel. They're just like takes a back seat, you bet. Yeah. They just lose it. I mean it's it's an important it's an important subject. I have some very nuanced views on it that make people fairly dizzy because I think that it's not the whether or not we build something. It's about how we do it. And it's also about whether or not the numbers that NLCOG is using are the real numbers. I think that we're coming into an area, and I heard you mention Amtrak and someone saying that that was going backwards. I think what people fail to realize is that we've got generations coming behind us that do not want to be in a car as much as we like being in a car right now. And everyone needs to start adapting to that. Do we want to be in a position where we have overbuilt on our highways for people that are not going to be using them as much? All of that needs to come into play. And right now, the way we're having the conversation is like, I want this on this side, I want that on the other side, and no one's having a conversation about design Mm -hmm. and what's going to best fit this community. Does that make sense?
3: Yeah, absolutely.
1: LeVette, okay. you know, you made a good point, and and that's one of the things that I really respected about you as on the city council, that you did look at the bigger picture. You, I, I feel like you looked at what was best for the city of Shreveport, and and I appreciate that. I've had people. I'm going to change gears for just a second. I've had people ask, "What's what's Lavette doing now?" So, I know you ran you ran for mayor. You're not on the council, mm-hmm. so tell us mm-hmm. about what Lavette's doing right now.
2: Um. I'm working out every day and doing Pilates so I can be a trophy wife. <laughs> What's his name? <laughs> I don't have one yet, but I'm, look, I'm just looking for, I'm looking for a husband. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm doing, um I'm breaking in very slowly into commercial real estate. Um, where I really want to see myself is as a developer. I want to be able to take the things that I've learned about land use. I feel like I've done a lot in the public sector. I want to see what I can do as far as land use in the private sector to put some of those ideas to work. But more than that, everyone's like, well, that's done a lot in nonprofits. Well, that's a lot in government. What has she done in private sector? And before I try to jump back out in anything that's political, I'm going to prove my mettle in the private sector. So
3: you're coming back to politics, it sounds like.
2: I'm not saying that. It's kind of like when people are like, well, we really need you. Please don't go anywhere. It's kind of like, you know, when a woman's depressed and had a bad breakup and she cuts all her hair off and you're like, why did you do that? But mm-hmm. like, you don't cut bangs when you're broken hearted. Yeah. And when you come off of a defeat and I have no regrets at all. I learned so, so much. And I feel like I did change the conversation. I'm never going to say never. If the right opportunity comes up, I'll definitely look at it. But for right now, I feel like I've got a lot of capacity to show people what I can do in the private sector. So I'm going to do that.
3: One last thing, our last minute. Disappointed in the council's action on the casino smoking. You, you led that charge. Uh, they have reversed the policy. I'm trying to
2: think of one thing that this council has done in the last six months that hasn't disappointed me. Don't hold your breath. Whoa. Ouch. Okay. I mean, I, I just, well, look, I mean, look, I can go back and review this tape. There should have been some small things that have happened that have been okay, but I think that we're probably on the wrong side of the history of this right now, mm-hmm. and it's a little embarrassing, but you know, y'all got a lovely sign up there that tells you exactly how I feel. I wonder where.
1: One zero one seven FM seven ten Keel Mike and McCarty Aaron, yo Aaron, did I hear you do a news story? Somebody robbed children's lemonade stand. Yeah, where was
3: that Mansfield? (sighs) And they have the we may call the Desoto Sheriff. They they caught a guy and and uh, he he robbed them of a whopping eighteen (laughs) dollars. These little girls were selling, little, they were making these little bead bracelets, and they were selling lemonade. And this guy came up and strong-armed them out of their cash. And their mom had gone to work, and she'd to help set them up. And she set them up in an area she thought, she thought was pretty safe. And they were old. They were, you know, thir- 12, 13. They're not young little kids. Right. And she thought they'd be safe, and they sell their lemonade. Oh, God.
1: And somebody comes up and, ro- and robs them. Hmm. And did he brandish a weapon?
3: Don't know. Because they I, could
1: really slam him if they.
3: I don't if know. He had a, if I don't he know had if he a pulled weapon. a gun. I mean, he probably didn't even need to. Well, gr- of course and The not. little girl Bye. said. Uh, I think she told Channel Twelve she just gave him what he wanted so that he would go away and wouldn't hurt them. And you know the thing is about cases like this is that the community comes together. That I mean, so many people are helping them now. Uh, somebody gave them a hundred dollar anonymous donation. Well, sure. Um, and, and they were just trying to raise money for their summer to have some fun to go do some fun things this summer. And they weren't bringing in huge cash. It was just you know, hey, let's have a uh, let's go right. to a movie. Let's get some movie money or Splash Kingdom money or whatever. And I thought, God bless America. Who does that kind of thing? You are a cretin. Just, you are an absolute cretin. It's just indescribable. It really is. It, 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 Let's rob the little it. Girl
1: Scouts next. Yeah, selling exactly. cookies.
3: Exactly. I, I just don't get it. Don't get it.
1: Special place in hell for people like that. Yeah. But they did catch you. him?
3: They caught him, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And he's locked up and um, well, I'm because sure he's having fun. It wasn't a
1: violent crime. We won't get a mugshot.
3: Right, exactly. We won't get a mugshot, but we'll get his name. I'll try to get uh, the sheriff and tell me who this cat is, and let's uh, let's let the world know about him.
1: Garth Brooks is building a bar in Nashville. Mm -hmm. The Friends in Low Places, Nightclub, I don't know what it is. Nice. Yeah, Uh, and he's taking a stand on Bud Light. We'll talk about that next. Okay. 101.7 FM. 1017 FM, 710 Kiel Mike and McCarty. Well, Bud Light continues to face the backlash.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, people just aren't having it. They right. saw another seven-day period of declining sales, 24%, I mean, 23.9% decrease. Oh, boy. Uh, compared to this this time last year, uh, B- Anheuser-Busch owned Brands, Across the board, have fallen twenty four and a half percent over the past month. Golly I mean, that's unprecedented. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, when the, when uh, the, when the Dylan Mulvaney, I guess you could say, debacle controversy mm-hmm. first came out, uh, the back the backlash was swift and harsh. Like Kid Rock, remember he posted mm-hmm. that video, yeah, taking a, like an AR and, and sh- shooting the cases of Bud Light. Right, and no more. Um, I remember seeing a video posted at like the, the Red Sox and, uh, somebody, a a fan was at the, you know, the food row under the stadium and all the, all the lines at all the pizzas and Coors Light booth. And then the Bud Light was uh, honestly completely empty. Nobody wanted it. The employees were leaning on the counter. Wow. Watching the people walk by. Um, Mm. But Garth Brooks is building uh he's he's there's a new bar under construction there in Nashville. Uh, the Friends in Low Places bar in Honky Tonk. And it's still under construction and Garth says we're going to sell every brand of beer. Okay. When it opens. Okay. He says I want it to be a place you feel safe in. I want it to be a place where you feel like there are manners. And people like one another. And yes, we're going to serve every brand of beer. We just are. It's not our decision to make. Yeah. That's not reasonable. Our thing is, if you are let into this house, love one another. If you're in a hole, there are plenty of other places on lower Broadway. Mm, Yeah. Now, John Rich from Big and Rich fame... I think he's got more of a pragmatic approach. He says, look, we're not selling it because we're not selling it. Right. Exactly. He goes, I have a limited amount of space. Customers aren't buying it. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to order it. No kidding. Can't sell it. Right. Why? I, mean, yeah. I mean, if, if, you, if you have a, a pizza, you know, restaurant and nobody's ordering the anchovies, you're not going to stock them. Because you'll just throw them out. You just, yeah, right. When they expire, they're gone. Yeah, I don't like (laughs) anchovies, but he says people aren't ordering it. And so it's a business, you know, he says people, and I quote, the customers aren't going to order it. I'm not going to stock it. We've only got a limited area. I've got a limited bar. It's like I've got to put beer and whiskey and vodkas up there that people want to purchase. And brother, I can tell you right now, it's a vicious attitude toward Bud Light.
3: It is. It really is. And I know the last couple of times I've been at a restaurant and ordered a beer and they were checking to see if they had it and didn't have it and came back and go, well, I got Bud. <laughs> Bud Light. Yeah, No, no yeah. Budweiser products, please. And they'll go back and they'll find what you got. But they can't move Bud and they're pushing it. Pushing it. And local bars will tell you. Bar owners here will well, tell you just... we're not ordering it because right. we're, we're, we got enough. We don't need any more. Well,
1: and again, it's. It's, it's a, a business decision. Mm-hmm. It's not them making the decision. We're not going to sell this. It's not right. moving.
3: Exactly. If it were selling, trust me, they would stock it. Right. If people wanted it, they would stock it. That's <laughs> exactly. the way business works. I saw a piece, a similar piece to this. Um, it's not regarding Bud, but it was regarding all this tipping and one business has decided we're no tips allowed. It's an ice cream shop. It's not here, but it's an ice cream shop. She said, not allowing any more tips. Um, She said, because she said, I saw that some of my staff, the more attractive staff, were making more money.
1: Isn't that interesting? Than
3: the other staff. They were making more based on their skin color. Um, And so she decided, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going to pay them all the same, $21 an hour to work in an ice cream shop. good for her. And she raised her prices. And so you pay more to get your ice cream, but she has it clearly on the door: no tipping. Um, we pay our, our we pay a very fine wage to right. our employees, and they they all should take good care of you.
1: Has, has there been an employee reaction?
3: The the employees haven't reacted, but the customers love it. We're tired. Americans are tired of everywhere we're turning now. There's a tip thing. Yes, I mean you're getting you're getting a tip thing. People are like they want you to tip at coffee places. Because you get a $4 coffee. If you're just coffee. going to the
1: counter, ordering, and they provide you the... Do you tip? Do you tip the person? That's like that's like being at Sears and somebody checks you out.
3: Mm-hmm. They, they Are have you going to tip them? They have tip jars. They, they look at you funny if you don't tip. And I mean, and subconsciously, right. we tip more based on who that person is. I hate to say that, but we do. If you think that person is, uh, you I, know...
0: If you want to talk about who's got the tipping thing down, it's Sonic. Sonic has figured it out. What do they do? So uh, you know, on the menu now, Mm -hmm. the menu is like a big touch screen now. Yes. So oh, really? Yeah. So before you even see the person bringing you your food, it gives you an option when you slide your card how much you want to tip, and you can you can do a personal personalized or whatever. So before you even see the person, you're already tipping them for bringing the food out to you. Right. Yeah.
3: And you don't know how long it took. Right. You don't know if they got your order right. Right. (laughs)
0: Yeah, <laughs> right.
1: see, I tip based on service, not, not skin happening. color, not gender. I tip
0: if you give me good service. I'm going right. to take care of That's you. Which, which for a fast for- food place, if they're bringing the food to your car, what better service could there be? <laughs> right <laughs> for a fast food joint.
3: But I'll tip if you do good by me. Right. You know, I'll get, I, I like I ordered a, a something at Sonic the other day, and I gave the kid a buck extra tip mm-hmm. for a four or five dollar item. He looked at me like I was an angel.
0: Yeah, and absolutely. I thought
3: I'm not tipping you ahead of time. If I've got cash, <laughs> I'll hand you a few quarters or whatever. But no, I'm not tipping you when I don't know what kind of service I got yet. Right? right. Have you lost your? De- it's like going and tipping the your person who cuts your hair before they cut your hair.
0: Ooh, yeah. That's that. That's, no, yeah, I see your point. <laughs> okay, where are where where
1: are places that ask for tips that you go? What are you doing?
3: Yeah, I, I mean,
1: I, I mean. Do you, first of all, if you're paying $50, 75 for a haircut, you still have to tip?
3: Yes. Yes, you've tipped them long before the pandemic.
1: Well, I hope I, you I did. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, my daughter cuts my hair now, okay, so yeah. I've, I've been lucky for several years.
3: Oh, Lord. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of people you should be tipping.
1: Okay. Your I'll, plumber?
3: No, I don't tip the plumber.
1: <laughs> I give like McCarty 1017FM. 1017 FM, 710 Key on oh, Mike and McCarty. Now, is this your, is, is this your first empty nest weekend? Or was um, last weekend? No, last
3: weekend we oh, was Oh, okay. Yeah, so this is the second one. Um, and last one I was pretty, it was pretty jam packed. This one is not too jam packed, so, um, it'll be, it'll be interesting. We'll see. Yeah. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna do some things with some friends and I have, uh, I have something to do this afternoon and then I have something to do in the morning. And, um, if it's gonna storm, I'm kinda happy about that cause I can just, just chill. hunker down with the dog and we can watch movies
1: and, um, just, See, that sounds like a delightful afternoon.
3: I'm looking forward to it. And I, and yeah. I, and he, he and I have, we have our, we have a little agreement now. There's certain times when you can come in here and hang with me. There's certain times when you gotta just chill on your own. And cause I, I want a good nap. Like when I put on my mask, you know, I have a sleep mask that I put on. Okay. That is like, I need to fall into a deep sleep. He knows I got to go. I got to go because you don't want me up and he'll get up and spin around. You know how dogs will spin around and then plop right back down like they were. Well, when he gets up and spins around, it's like, no, 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 no. None of this spinning around. Right, yeah, right. Laying back down on top of me. So I'll get him out of there when I put the face mask on. I say I got to take a deep nap. And he'll be like, all right, Whatever. But I did get him a new box of treats yesterday, so I got him some special treats that he's not used to, so he loves them, so he was happy.
1: The greatest invention ever are those, what they call pill pockets. They're these little treat things. That you put the meds in.
3: Oh yeah, and the dog. Yes. I've been
1: using cheese. Mm-hmm. You know, just kind of take a slice of American cheese, right? Uh, but they've kind of wised up. One of them is kind of wised up to that. But these treat things,
0: man, that's awesome. And now, now, now my my puppies heartworm medicine is just a treat. They've cut out the middleman. Oh yeah, there you they've, go. Uh, yeah, it's just a little treat now, like, like the, the gummies media. kind of thing right, for people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So, rain Saturday? Is that what I heard? Because I was planning on getting some yard work did on Saturday. It
3: looks like it's coming in this afternoon and then pretty stormy tomorrow. Yeah, so I'm... Ah,
1: I hate that. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Darn.
3: You've got a couple more weeks left with the the wifey out of town, too, don't you? Yeah, at least. You can wait on the grass for a week or two.
1: Yeah, I did the front. Uh, I, I need to do some trimming, too. Ah, uh, Okay. Uh, so there's there's still honeydews to be done. Now yeah. I will t- I will say this. There are things in the house that wait.
3: <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> so how many dishes are in the sink,
1: Mike? It's not too bad, <laughs> honestly. Okay, this is how terrible. Taro- I went and bought a whole stack of paper plates. Oh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> you know, you know we I'm, use those I'm, not, two. I'm not fighting this dumb, this battle.
3: Yeah. We use those too. If you, you know, might as well. What the heck?
1: But uh, yeah, looking forward to a, a hopefully semi quiet weekend. Mm-hmm. Alan Seabaugh is going to join us coming up later this morning, talking about the, the budget session that wrapped yesterday. Uh, kind of an embarrassing session though.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Micah McCarty, one on one set. 101.7 FM, 710 Key on Mike and McCarty on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline. State Rep. Raymond Cruz joining us this morning. Uh, Raymond, I'm, I bet you're glad this session is over with.
5: Oh, Mike and Aaron, you bet I am. I'm glad it's a new day. I can look forward to some sunshine.
1: Ray, that,
3: that was cringeworthy to watch that last hour. I watched it. I watched you step before your colleagues and plead with them. To not do business like this. You guys got the conference committee report back like with an hour to go. You couldn't read anything they sent you. Do you even today know what you passed?
5: No, I sure don't. It was less than an hour. It was like 35 minutes maybe. It was ridiculous. and uh, Those amendments totaled to something like uh, 71 pages. And that's on top of the 147 pages you had to reference of the other amendments, on top of all the bills themselves. So it was there was no way anybody was going to know what was in them.
1: Raymond, this not like this deadline snuck up on anybody. Right. How did it get to this? What why why was this so last minute?
5: Well, I guess we're going to have to ask the speaker and his minions because there's there's no excuse for it. There's actually a House rule that says for the general appropriation bill, which is House Bill One. We're supposed to have 48 hours to review those uh, amendments at a minimum, and they know that. Now, we often uh, overlook that, but, boy, I tell you what, now it's time we just put some rules in place that we stick to and say that that, this can never happen again.
3: You were one of nine that voted against. Danny McCormick also voted against. I kind of respect that in principle. I mean, you might have loved the budget, but you were like, the way it's handled, I cannot vote for this. Is that kind of where you were?
5: Oh, there's no doubt about it. And I'll tell you, even the people that voted for it, you could tell among a large part of them, there was no talk at all because they were shocked at what was happening. But I felt like maybe they thought they had no choice. They'd already gotten into the ruse and now they couldn't back out. I don't know. But I know it was uncomfortable for the vast majority of people in there. Probably 90 percent of them didn't like how that went down.
3: The teacher pay raise, it's two thousand dollars. And it's it's a one-time deal the way it looks. Is that what you you feel as well?
5: I sure do. And I questioned the, the uh, chairman of the committee on that, and that's what he answered. It's a stipend. It's a one-time thing, and they had a resolution to go along with a bill that said we will urge and request the uh, uh, Bessie to add that to the uh, permanent thing. But there's no way to do it. There's no funds for it guaranteed. So... How can you tell them what to do when they don't have the funds to do it? It was ridiculous. It was a complete ruse.
3: I find that in an election year, an unbelievable occurrence and a slap in the face to teachers to say, oh, we're going to give you a one-time pay raise. It happens to be an election year. Is that just ridiculous?
1: How does a one-time, is that like a bonus?
3: Yeah, we're just going to give you a bonus.
1: Uh, so, uh, so you exactly. get a one-time $2,000 bonus, Yeah, but not a pay raise. Huh?
5: That's right. And from what I understand, that means hey your, your retirement's not going to factor that in. That's just, it's just a nice little Christmas gift, I guess, but nothing else after that. It's not going to be for your retirement.
3: Ray, it's not a Christmas gift. It's an election gift.
5: Yeah.
1: It's a vote well, it's for no me. I it. voted for you.
5: Yeah. Yeah, well, I'm so anxious and yet nervous about what we're going to find in this bill when people realize what they do and don't have and who lost and who won and it's just going to be embarrassment of riches for some and an absolute travesty for others in the state. And
3: so I'm just scared we're going to get the short end of the stick up here.
5: Oh, no, yeah. I wouldn't doubt that at all. You know how retribution works. You try to do something good, and that's how they're going to pay you back.
1: So this was almost a, a, a Nancy Pelosi, we've got to pass this so we can see what's in it no, situation. No doubt
5: about it. There's no doubt about it. I tried to go through a couple of them in, in the five minutes before questions started, and I couldn't even figure out what's going on because one's referencing another, which is referencing the original <laughs> bill. There's, there's no way to figure that out in that time. No way.
3: Okay. Uh, $100 million cut to the Department of Health. I heard that, and I thought, w- what? What? Why are we cutting $100 million from the Department of Health when we have a budget surplus? Any idea about that?
5: <laughs> well, I hate to say it, but I think it's because they misled us before because we actually – had uh, looked at that and thought, are we paying them too much because they're doing this unwinding of the the uh, expansion? And we th- thought, are there going to be that many people? And when we proposed that idea, said, hey, do we need that many? They said, no, no, no we can't do it because these uh, federal tie-ins. So they're either lying to us or whatever. So it's it's just embarrassing how the whole thing down. They were talking on both sides of the mouth, and now I think it's going to catch up with them.
3: The ruling in the Alabama congressional map case, and I didn't pre-warn you about this because this is just kind of breaking. Now they're calling on our governor to call you back to Baton Rouge for a special session to redraw our maps. Would you be surprised if you're back down there in a little bit to do that?
5: I would not be surprised at all. Matter of fact, I wouldn't be surprised if we came down for two or three things this year because, as you know, he's threatening to
6: uh,
5: go against the uh, the station that we had to protect the children. So. If he goes against Gabe Furman's bill and Dodie Horton's bill and my bill, I mean, that's just yet another time we're going to be down here in Baton Rouge trying to straighten out the problems he's creating.
3: Do you think y'all will override him on those bills?
5: Well, I certainly hope so. I thought it was quite evident that the people of Louisiana are against the, the social engineering that's going on in the schools. It's it's just ridiculous for the teachers to be used as pawns to do this, too. So we've got to fight back against that.
3: Raymond, here's where I'm struggling you guys have a Republican control kind of super majority, and yet we're still and, and and a lot of people have faith that y'all are going to go down there and do the right thing, and yet we're still running into these political shenanigans. It makes us all wonder who's in control, who really is in control, and who really knows what they're doing. You follow?
5: <laughs> oh, I definitely follow. And I mean, we felt that yesterday. Is like, what in the world is going on? They are making pleas. To do things that the people don't want just to satisfy election desires for others. That's the way it looks like to me. I can't think that anybody would disagree. People going out of office or showering their areas with money, or at least that's what we think is going to be happening. We're almost 99% sure of that. And then others that were their political adversaries, they're going to shut out from the budget. One thing I would suggest,
3: and if you could do this for me, I would forever love you like I wouldn't forever love you anyway. Um, that conference committee. Open the door. That needs to be open, broadcast it, let us see what they're doing.
5: Well, let me tell you what happened. We asked the speaker several times who was going to be in that conference committee, that we thought there needed to be more people on the committee, not just three from the House. And we even proposed a resolution through Tony Bachla expanding the members of the committee, and we were shot down at every time. And matter of fact, he just ignored us most of the time. He just said, we'll take care of it. We'll take care of it. So I tell you what. Whatever respect I had for the speaker is gone after yesterday. Absolutely
1: gone. Mm.
3: Raymond Cruz, I can hear the disappointment in your voice and it's the frustration. Yeah, yes,
1: it's frustrating.
5: Um,
3: thanks. There's for, no doubt about it. Thanks for all you do, and uh, you're coming back today, I guess, huh?
5: I've got two days of work to do for my business down here, so unfortunately, I'm going to be looking at uh, this capital and being reminded of what happened yesterday <laughs> for two days.
3: Thank you for your time, sir. Appreciate it.
5: Uh, Thank you. I appreciate y'all looking after us.
1: 1017 FM, 710 KEO, Mike M. McCarty.
3: Kind of intrigued by what the Caddo Commission is doing. They are doing um, funding for two what they're calling lighthouse projects okay. uh, in our neighborhoods. One at Morning Star Baptist Church and one at the Highland Center, which would be facilities that... Can withstand, you know, a, a calamity like a storm or massive power outage or a water outage, like we had in the in the winter. These these facilities would have their own water systems. They would be, um, they'd have an, their own power grid system, some sort of a, a alternative power grid, where people could go um, in the event we have an emergency. So you could go there to charge your phones. You could go there to get water. Um, I'm not sure everything that'll be available, but I'm I'm very intrigued. And they're going to spend 250 thousand for each one, um, and hopefully get them up and going within a year. They're, you know, they're going to have to build a facility. It looks like now I don't know if it's actually going to be a place where you can go stay. They may be building something where you could. It'll be big enough where you could put cots out and shelter people. Um, I'm I'm thinking that's probably the direction they're going. I, I, one of my caddo commissioners can shoot me a text and let me know, but. I find it really an interesting idea now i'm not so certain about commingling it with a church. I wonder about that a little bit, but um but you know what it- would
1: happen to the facility or what would during times of non-emergency, I mean, is it just going to be a a vacant facility the whole time? No,
3: I, I think the goal would be to make use of it for other programs. I mean, the Highland Center does all kinds of community programs. Morningstar does as well. They mm-hmm. do feeding programs and, you know, they could probably make use of it for that. But to have a facility that would be completely self-sustained in a storm when we, we literally, you know, a couple of years ago, we had no water. Our city was, was without water for a oh, long gosh, time. Yes. Yeah. Um, there were people that were without power for a long time and to have a couple of those places where people that are desperate could go and be housed and, and get the, the needs they, they need. I think it's a pretty brilliant idea. Um, I, I'm, I'm excited that they're moving on it. I'm, I guess the money is coming from, I mean, the parish has a lot of money. So I'm guessing they're, they're realizing we need to do this. I think they're hoping to spread it to more neighborhoods ultimately. You know, they're going to try this is kind of a pilot program to start and then they'll move on from that to see if we're going to use it elsewhere. But I would your your point is well taken. They need to make sure that they're used, you mm-hmm. know, like if we have a year where we have no calamities, did we make use of that property? Did we have, you know, after school programs or did we have feeding mm-hmm. programs? What else did we use it for? Um because you don't want the money to just be spent and then the building to sit there and who's going to maintain it, too? Mm-hmm. Are, are the is the Highland Center and Morningstar going to take care of it, make sure if it needs a new roof, it's going to be taken care of. I, I'm sure they're working on all the details, but I like seeing it. I know I mean, I'm kind of um, intrigued at, at first to see what they're doing. I think it's kind of interesting and we need it. We need def, definitely. We saw the need for it a couple of years ago.
1: Yeah. What was the impetus for this? Do you, do you know what?
3: I'm I'm not sure. I I I don't realize, remember which um, commissioner. Brought it up. I'd have to do a little more work on it, but I just saw the, um, the news report and then I read a little bit this morning and I listened to some of the meeting. Um, Pastor Theron Jackson came to the meeting and he obviously, that's his church and he was pushing for it and supporting it. And then he had a lot of people from the neighborhoods come forward and talk about how great it would be. And uh, I think they probably have to vote on it in two weeks. I don't think it's a one reader thing. Um, and then we'll see how it goes, but, I'm intrigued by it. I think it's an interesting idea. I think it would have really helped us a couple of years ago during Snowmageddon because we was that, had a, Was that a
1: couple of years ago already? Yes.
3: Can you imagine?
1: Yeah. My gosh. Yeah, it's been
3: two and a Seems half like years. Seems like that was about yeah. six months ago. I know. It's, it's bizarre. And we, you know, this building was locked down. I mean, it was, there were, th- the, there was just three of us here for that, that entire week. Yeah. It was, um, it was very, um, uh, was creepy kind of creepy <laughs> and we were having to drive Even more the, so
1: than normal and chica here.
3: chica was our driver which was really oh, creepy gosh. now we were staying in the hotel you know right down the road and uh chica was sliding all over the roadway to get us here and she was cooking too she's a good cook
0: okay when when you talk about morning start ruben did you oh i was just gonna say i would never been so happy to have been stuck in, yeah. At my house. <laughs> I've never been so happy to be stuck oh, at my house. Yeah.
1: <laughs> when you say, was it Morningstar? Morningstar. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I, because my brain works the way it was, or the way it works. Have you heard people call Mooringsport, Morningsport?
3: Oh, Morningsport. Yeah, all the time. <laughs> all the time. Yeah, I just, it happens a lot.
1: For some reason, that's where my brain went. Mm-hmm. Morning side. <laughs> Sorry, Theron, I don't mean to just, I can't explain <laughs> it. Sharon Hewitt, state senator, going to join us coming up after the local news at the bottom of the hour, talking about this session and uh, redistricting of our uh, our lines here in the state. Micah McCarty, 1017 F. 017 FM, 710 Kiel, Mike M. McCarty.
3: Let me correct. The, the uh, Lighthouse's war did pass on second reading yesterday, so they did pass. There is a concern that spending the public money at Morningstar Baptist Church, and these, if you're just joining us, the Lighthouse pilot program would be to set up facilities that would have emergency power and emergency water systems where people could go In the event of an emergency in our community, the issue is if if who's going to own it at Morning Star Baptist Church, the facility at the church, will the church own it? Then is this the parish using government money, two hundred and fifty thousand dollars on a on an expansion and and an improvement at a local church? I don't think the law would allow that. So I think the parish is going to have to own it. Um but is it on property owned by a church? I don't know. It, there's a lot of questions about that. I think it's a great idea. I think they got to iron out, you know, how you're going to do it at a church property and will that be allowed and and who will have ownership? And I know I don't know nearly enough about it today to get into detail. I have to do a little more research, but some caddo commissioners can help me with that and I'll look at the documentation too to figure it out. But
1: and obviously questions. you're talking about the separation of church and state.
3: Yeah, you can't issues. they you know, could they make a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar donation to a church? No way. You can't right. you can right. couldn't do that. Um will we have ownership? I'm sure they've already they the lawyers have already dotted all the I's and crossed the T's. We have a smart legal staff at Caddo Parish so I'm sure they know what they're doing because you just couldn't do this and give money to a church. So I'm hoping they have Check that all out and, and uh because I think we need it. We need these kind of facilities in our community.
1: Well the Highland Center is also affiliated with the church, isn't it?
3: Oh uh, I'm not sure. Isn't
1: that the Knoll Methodist?
3: It might be. It might be. You might have a point. I don't know. But I, I think they may be a separate entity. Right. You know, okay. but they were started by the folks at Knoll, but I mm-hmm. think they may be a separate entity now. I'm not sure. I you know, again, I haven't fully researched it, but I think it's a great idea. We need them in our community. We sure. just need
1: to do it right. Absolutely. State Senator Sharon Hewitt joining us next on the jack spring electric newsmaker hotline mike and mccarty 101 (music) (music)
6: 1017
1: fm 710 keel mike and mccarty on the jack spring electric newsmaker hotline state senator and candidate for governor of louisiana Sharon Hewitt joining us Good morning, Sharon. Thanks for uh, taking time to talk with us this morning
3: Good morning Mike want, want to get to the uh, legislative session a little bit at the end if we have time, but the ruling in the Alabama congressional map case could have an impact in Louisiana. It could mean we have to redraw our lines here um, you You helped draw the GOP map lines in Louisiana. What What is your take on this ruling from the Supreme Court?
7: Well, it is going to take a little while. This was a 100-page ruling uh, that just came out yesterday, as you know. and So we're still digesting it all. You know, these cases are all litigated based on um, different arguments, and some of the arguments in Louisiana could potentially be different than those that were made in Alabama. You know, but we suspect that what will happen is You know, all of the cases will go back to the states that were being held at the Supreme Court, and they will go through their process through the the lower courts in our individual states with the new ruling as kind of part of the, you know, the umbrella now that you have to look at. And so we'll see how these things progress. You know, it is a little bit disappointing, but again, we're all a little bit different. We know that our map, for example, is very similar to uh, maps that were approved by the federal government. Our um, in previous uh, iterations, and our numbers in terms of population and demographics haven't really changed that much. And so we have a little bit different set of facts than they do in Alabama.
3: Lower court did issue a ruling in Louisiana calling for the creation of a second-majority black district. And now could this ruling, um the, the Supreme Court put that ruling on hold, could this ruling lift that lower court order?
7: Well, it could, and again, you know, we have to see what the what the judges decide to do in this case. Um, also, I think that the, the plaintiffs and the defendants are working to determine their strategies and what briefs they may be filing next, and so it's going to take a little while. This isn't like you flip a switch and something happens. It's going to take a little bit of, of time, and I know all the legal teams are huddled up trying to determine the next step.
3: Senator Hewitt, what do you say to... um of Louisiana residents who have uh, congressional district maps that have only one sixth represent who they are.
7: Well, Aaron, it's not that simple. And if it was, then, you know, gosh, you wouldn't need to, we wouldn't be having any of these discussions. What matters is where people live. You know, so if you don't have those, you know, one third people living close enough together where you can draw districts that are, you know, reasonably compact, then it's, it's not as simple as just saying one-third of, of six.
1: State and Senator... so that's the issue. Sharon Hewitt. Sharon, I'm looking at this district map now, and, and you've got, like, District 4 and District 5 covering almost all of North, well, all of North, you know, North Louisiana. But the line goes like down from Bastrop to Monroe, then over to Ruston, and then down to Jackson, and then over. And it's just, why don't we just take a ruler and and divide the state equally? <laughs> I'm serious. And, That's what and, she, and she, say, she just
3: said because people don't live there. I mean, the the, the po- populations it wouldn't work out. Correct.
7: Well, there's the needle that you're trying to thread, right? Honestly, if we drew, you know, six kind of squares or circles or something, you probably would not have any black districts. Um, and so, you know, part of this is an effort to, to give the minority, uh, parties, the, the, mon- the minority an opportunity. Um, you know, so you're, you're threading the needle between multiple federal laws and state laws. Um, and again, we've been in court in years past. You know, we feel very good about the maps that we have, and we think that we've done a good job of honoring uh, the Constitution and all the laws on redistricting.
3: If you do, if you are ordered to draw a new black majority district, there are a lot of folks in Shreveport who think it probably would encompass our part of the state. The lo- the largest part, the largest black majority city in this part of the state, because you've got one black majority district in New Orleans, that Shreveport would probably be the other Have you heard that
7: discussion? (laughs) Well, now you're talking about what we call the Zorro map, Mm -hmm. which was was done once before and thrown out already by the federal court. So you cannot, that's part of the issue of it matters where people live. If you connect up up all of those communities that you just named, you have a big Z that goes from North Louisiana all the way down and across to South Louisiana. And I don't think that that... um, meets the definition of being a compact district.
3: Okay, let's turn our attention to the well, legislative that's, that's interesting. Yeah, the though. legislative session that just wrapped um a, a complete frenetic disaster at the end is what a lot of people are saying and embarrassing for how it ended. Um that we don't know what's in the bills. You probably this morning still don't know what's all, what's in all the bills. Um why do we keep doing this?
7: Well, that's a good question. You know, we're we're all asking ourselves uh, that same thing, and it is a little bit frustrating. Um, you know, it is, a, it is a collaborative process with 144 members. And, you know, when you get right down to the end, and there are a few people, because obviously you cannot negotiate with 144 people in the room at the same time. And so, you know, you trust those leaders who have been, you know, given the responsibility to put together various parts of the budget to represent, you know, the the, the people in their chamber and put together a budget. Um, but these are all very complicated. You know, I was trying to go through some of it last night with, you know, 39 pages of amendments mm. that are all referencing the bill that was in, could have been in four different stages <laughs> <laughs> in the process over the last 60 days. And it, it took me a couple of hours to try to figure out the projects that I cared about that were in my Senate district. You know, were they in or were they out? And it, it's just, it is very complicated, and it, it it's a process that has some some drawbacks for sure. That that we would all like to figure out a way to do better.
3: Okay, let's open the door to the conference committee meetings. Let's watch what they're doing. Why don't we do that?
7: Well, you know, you probably could, although I don't know that it would be all that um, interesting or that easy to follow. Um, you know, again, it's, it's it's way down into the weeds about, mm-hmm. you know, projects on line 17 on page 44. <laughs> right. And I'm not sure that if it was on camera, you know, where people are just hearing this, that they would be able to follow it very easily.
1: Well, the, but the C-SPAN is is people watch c-span
7: yeah although those are all things that are on the floor you know mm-hmm. that are they're they're not right the the markup meetings mm-hmm. that they're having on the thousand page bill you know <laughs> and you, you know it's, so these are kind of more working level type meetings and we do need to have the opportunity to to work with staff and to to get you know all the information. I mean, just imagine these are just spreadsheets spread everywhere across the table. You know, and and constantly adding and readding the numbers, and and then you have to put it in some kind of a legislative form. If we could just pass a spreadsheet, it would mm-hmm. be much easier. This Disapp- has to be with all the legislative vernacular.
3: Disappointed that teachers are getting a one-time pay increase.
7: Well, sometimes that happens. Um, you know, I think we will probably, I would hope, the legislature next year, and certainly if I'm governor, I will make sure that we make that permanent. Teachers need some certainty in their pay. And, you know, it, it makes it hard to compete with teachers from other states. I live right now in Slidell, close to Mississippi, and we all the time have teachers that, you know, maybe go back and forth across state lines to work. We want to make sure our pay is competitive. And um, I was a little bit disappointed in that because it was in the MFP really throughout the whole process and the very end.
1: Well, we know Governor John Bell Edwards, of course, termed out. He's warming up his uh, veto pen. What do you expect him to scratch out?
7: Well, who knows? I mean, he <laughs> if we could predict what he was going to do, we would all be, you know, rock stars. And he's, he's surprised us over the years with things that he has signed and things that he has vetoed. You know, I read this morning in the paper where, you know, he has said that he'll veto any of the the bills that they're kind of dubbing, you know, LGBTQ bills. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll see. Those bills had lots of um, energy in the Capitol, um, you know, certainly from the public as well as from the legislature and the, all the emails and everything that we got from our constituents. So we'll see what he does on those. Those are those are issues that are important to a lot of conservative families. And I'm glad that we had an opportunity to, to, to debate those this session.
3: State Senator Sharon Hewitt, Slidell, thanks for your time.
1: You're very welcome. <laughs> 1017- <accustomed plusieurs> <testosteron> 1017- <dishwashing> 1017 FM, 710 KEO Mike and McCarty. The mornings like this, I know I've got a lot to learn. Because mm-hmm. we're, we're, I wouldn't say we're getting off in the weeds. Oh, yeah. But it's, it's, this it's, just, it's frustrating. Things like it, this are frustrating to me. Um, again, I'm looking at the district map. You've got this story on keelnews.com. Mm-hmm. And the way the maps are gerrymandered, the, the districts, I, I, I still don't see why you couldn't just go, okay, we're going we're gonna to create six districts, boom, right down the middle, across this, you know, just...
3: Because you wouldn't have any districts that represented uh, the
1: black community. But you're representing the people that live in the district.
3: But you have to be representative of all the people. And if you drew the maps where no black could ever get elected... It well, who's to say no black could get elected? I don't know. I, you know, that's the way the courts say the Voting Rights Act lays it out that you have to you have to have a fair chance for minorities to be represented in Congress and uh, in in your elections, and that's where it is. And I'm just I'm just warm. The the lawmakers are going to have to go back and redo the lines, and if we have to do another district. You're going to have to take a metro area like a Shreveport or another community or Baton Rouge and carve out some sort of new district that has another black majority uh, population.
1: But now she was calling – she was referencing the Zorro – uh, district map
3: which it took the it took the center it, if you can look at my our map it goes from Shreveport mm-hmm. over to Monroe okay it takes in the metro area you know where the where there are a large percentage of black Americans living so just living.
1: straight across the top of the straight state
3: straight across the, and then do a Zorro down through Alexandria's black metro district and you take in some of the neighborhoods in Alexandria and then you do the same in Lake Charles Lafayette that's kind of where you would be okay so. And, and but again, the court said, nah, you can't do that. So I don't know how they do how they draw the lines. I'm not sure what they're going to end up doing.
1: Okay. Well, we're going to find out. Mm-hmm. 1017 FM, 710 Keel, Mike and McCarty, and on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline, State Rep. Alan Sebaugh joining us this morning. Alan, good morning.
8: Good morning. How are you?
1: Well, we're doing okay. We're... No, we're not. Well, oh,
3: okay. We're, we're, we're like you, Alan.
8: What What a mess. It, it, what, what, a... what happened yest- yesterday is the reason people tell jokes about politicians and why people call Louisiana a banana republic. There is no excuse for what happened yesterday. It was an embarrassment. It was a disaster. Uh, well, we'll find out if it was a disaster um, the, the The bad thing is the we have we passed the house this happened five or six years ago, and we passed a house rule that says the general appropriation bill, which is the budget, has cannot be voted on until it forty eight hours after it is submitted mm-hmm. two days to give us time to review it.
1: not thirty we minutes. Have,
8: no, we had ten minutes. It was oh, it was wow. in inter- it was. We didn't get the amendments until five thirty, and they brought the bill up of, at five forty, and we voted on it by five forty-five. So we had um, we had ten minutes to to review it. And, yep. and 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 the bad thing is you're not even looking at one document. That's the problem. You've got the budget as it came out <laughs> of the Senate. You've got 2 You've got it as it came out of the house you have two thousand senate amendments and then you have the the conference committee report which you have to have the budget the amendments and then the conference report which says we're going to accept some of the amendments and not others so you literally have three and and in some cases four different documents that you have to read and try to cross-reference because each one of them might have a reference to page one fifty seven, mm, line fifteen,
4: mm.
8: and you need you need to figure out exactly what you're what you're looking at. It, it it was it literally impossible. Two days is probably not enough time to fully understand what all was in there. So how do but, we just violate the rules? How how is that allowed? Oh oh, that's what I was going to bring up. When they brought it up, um, myself, Raymond Cruz, Danny McCormick, and a couple of others were standing up to object. And the speaker just didn't recognize the objection. That's really what happened yesterday. We actually, by the way, um, I, I would like to say, if anybody, not many people in Shreveport were there, but if you know anybody that videoed the recording, that re- videoed what happened, we are trying to gather video of what happened. Did you so you can show, see the members shouting their objections. Um, we're actually considering a court challenge to the validity of it because it did not pass by proper procedure. Rules were violated. Rules were not suspended. Uh, rules were violated. And, I mean, you can suspend a rule, but we didn't. But um, you still voted for it. I'm,
3: I'm, I find it uh, I, interesting. You I still did. voted for it. Were you kind of you had no choice?
8: No, I had a choice. I always have a choice. Um, I had decided, that, look, I fought the, the, the bust in the spending cap with every fiber of my being um, and we lost. They They voted to bust the spending cap. I decided at that point that I was going to vote for the budget um simply because of what was in it um you know it's the funding for the lSU medical school it's the funding for the state police it's it's the state operating budget, and in an election year, if the we end a session without a budget, we have to go back to an, into a special it's no longer a majority vote to pass the budget it's three fourths to pass the budget so 26 members could hold the entire state hostage and i just don't think it's worth i i didn't think it was worth going into a special session because the, what would come out of a special session where the where the the the, the, tw- the 26 democrats that we have could literally run the show um i i didn't think that was worth it so um i decided at that point that i was going to vote for the budget um, I actually had a little more information than a lot of people because I was in I wasn't in the conference committee, but I was in the speaker's office when some of this stuff was going on. so I, I had a little bit more information. but one thing your your idea of the conference committee and opening it up to the public, you don't I don't think you understand how a conference committee works. You have three from the House and three from the Senate. Mm-hmm. They don't all go sit in a room with a spreadsheet and work it out. Uh. You, you you had six or seven people in the House that were huddled up in the speaker's office. Only one of whom was actually on the conference committee. Um, with spreadsheets, and they were working. Out, they would write something up and then send it over to the Senate. And I talked to Senator Milligan yesterday. He was in a similar meeting in the Senate, um, going over it. And um, you know, the, the, so they, they don't all sit together uh, and work okay. it out. The House does theirs, sends the Senate. Senate does theirs. They send it back. And and I really, I talked to Senator Milligan. And I I was getting, frankly, getting my information from the Senate side, not the House side, because the House leadership is just an absolute disaster. Clay Shakespeare is trying to run for Secretary of State. He's a moron and should never, ever have been elected Speaker of the House. What happened yesterday was a joke. Um, It was a violation of about 15 different rules that we have that are supposed to make things run smoothly, we do the people's business, and we do it rightly, and we do it fairly, and everybody has an opportunity to be heard. And the fact of the matter is, there were only maybe four people in the entire House chamber who knew what was in there, and this was the plan from the beginning. Mm-hmm. But, the GO- but the G O but the G
3: O P is in control. You guys have a super majority. No, no. that's
8: that's a. Joke. Are they bogus Republicans? <laughs> that's, that's, absolutely, more than half. You had 19 Republicans vote to not bust the spending cap. Those are your true conservatives. If if anybody that didn't vote to bust, anybody that voted to bust the spending cap is not a conservative. And you got to keep in mind how the speaker was elected. All of the Democrats got together with 23 rhinos and picked the speaker. Two thirds of the Republicans voted for somebody else. So you had all of the Democrats and 23 rhinos pick the speaker. And, you know, they, they picked a guy who really wasn't in the run and he only had, two votes, he had himself and one other, and they went and picked him because he was the least objectionable, because quite frankly, he hadn't done anything in his legislative career, so he hadn't made a lot of enemies. Mm -hmm. Um, We we went to dinner afterwards, and there were two freshmen that were talking, and one of them said, you know, I've been here four years, I don't think Clay Shakespeare has ever told me the truth. And another one laughed, he said, you know, I haven't thought about it, but I think you're right, I don't think he has ever told me the truth. And you know he came to a Republican delegation meeting a couple of days ago, and which is rare, by the way, he doesn't usually come. But he came and he made us all these assurances. Um, and it, it was just—it was again, it was another lie. We got the bill with with thirty minutes left in the session and ten minutes to review it before they brought it up. Mm. Th- those things—they're they're rules violation. They should not happen. And look, I'm not sitting here telling you the budget's terrible. Um, I did vote for it. I voted for it because I didn't want to go to a special session. And the bottom line is it was going to pass anyway. Yeah. But, um, it might not be terrible. It, it, it might not. We, we did pay off, um, $550 million of the, uh, of, of the debt in the state employee retirement system. So we used some of the one-time money to pay that down. Uh, they, they started the process of right-sizing LDH. Um, they, they, you know, so, so there were some good things in there. I'm sure there were some bad, but there were some good things in there and we funded. Funded the, the LSU medical school and the LSU systems funded. So some things that are important to us were in there and I knew they were in there. And I also didn't want to go to a special. So that's why I voted yes. I'm sure as, as time goes by, we're going to find things in there that, that were terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, but we just, we just didn't have time to look at it, but the special session for the budget could have been a disaster, or could still be. There's a possibility the governor vetoes it, because quite frankly, you veto the budget this year, you empower the Democrats uh, in a special. Mm. And that would... Uh, so, it, I mean, that, that's a possibility. I know he wasn't happy about cutting the $100 million from from LDH, um, but, you know, I think LDH needs to be cut a little more than that, to be honest with you. State
1: but, Rep. Alan Sebaugh, hold on just a second. We're going to take a break, and then we'll be back with you uh, after the break. Mike and McCarty, 101.7 FM. <laughs> 101.7 FM, 710 Keel, Mike and McCarty on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline. State uh, 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 Rep. Alan Seaball joining us. Alan, you know, we talked with Raymond Cruz earlier this morning. And, you know, like you said, this deadline didn't come up as a surprise to anybody. So it has to be intentional that it was last minute presentation of this budget. It's it's like the the old famous Nancy Pelosi line. We've got to pass it to see what's in it.
8: Well, oh, that's 100% correct. In, in this case, it's a little different because in Washington, they're not working on that kind of deadline. But what happened here was we um, – th- in Baton Rouge, it works a little different. It's we're going to hold it to the last minute to jam you so you can't afford to vote no. Because if if you have time, like I said, I voted for it because I didn't want to go to a special. If this vote had been two days ago, I probably would have voted no. And so let's go back to the drawing board and try to fix it. Um, so you know, it should have been presented a week ago. To give us a couple of chances, a couple of bites at the apple to go back to the drawing board. But it wasn't. I mean, it was, in, this is purely intentional. And look, Nancy Pelosi is evil, but she's really, really smart. Um, the people running in Baton, the, the, the Speaker of the House in Baton Rouge is not really, really smart. In fact, he's really, really dumb. But the people behind him, he's, he's doing the work of some really, truly evil people.
3: What do you and, anticipate uh, the governor is going to veto?
8: Well, he's going to line item some things, I'm sure. But, you know, he can't add to the budget. You're talking about the budget itself. He can't add money to a budget. He can't move it from one project to another. He can take things out. Uh, I did read that he was going to veto uh, some of the uh, uh, Dodie Horton's um, um, anti-grooming bill Mm -hmm. um, and and the the ban on um, sex change surgeries on minors. And, look, 12, 13-year-old kids – giving them hormone blockers so they never go through puberty that's irreversible it's also inexcusable do y'all come and back in
3: and override that veto
8: i think that one might get us in um what the, the what usually happens the good nra bills the gun bills things like that that might fire up people for a veto override those just quietly died in the senate uh, so he did those didn't pass so he didn't have to veto them um there there's some things that might the, the, that the sheriffs got through a couple of bills that the sheriffs got through that are very important for law enforcement that I don't think he likes if he vetoes those, the sheriffs might be able to gen up enough support for veto override so I think he's going to be very careful I don't think he wants a veto override session um, But and, and again it's all up to the Senate the, the House never cancels the veto override so the what's it going to take
1: does. to get uh, permitless carry passed in this
8: state Jeff Landry is governor
3: Mm, okay. Now, let's switch gears a minute to what happened with the Supreme Court yesterday. Um, right. the, in the Alabama case, saying they have to go back and do, and draw new maps. Um, and now the Urban League is calling on the governor to call you guys into session to redraw Louisiana's maps. Um, are we headed that way?
8: Well, yes, we're headed that direction. I don't know what the end result's going to be. Um, the difference the the cases were similar but not exactly the same. The arguments the plaintiffs made in the Alabama case and the Louisiana case were the same. The defenses were different. Alabama's African American population is more concentrated than ours, so the 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 argument of how you do it, how you draw it, is a little different. Um, so they're they're not exactly the same. But so we'll we'll, we'll see, um, but. I, I, I do think we're headed that way. Yes, um, the question is the timeline and, and 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 all that. And what you were saying earlier about Shreveport being the hub because of the large because it's a it's the large African American majority city. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't I don't think that is accurate. I mean, it is a largely African American city, but um, I don't think Shreveport is going to be the hub of the new majority minority district okay. simply because the surrounding area around it is not enough. To support an African-American candidate It's almost impossible to draw Shreveport Into a district that would elect uh, an, an African-American um, Congressman the, 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 your, your possibilities It's is pretty much got to resolve Revolve around Baton Rouge and New Orleans Because the, the, th- again that's the difference Alabama has a large enough pop African-American population That you could draw it Because they're concentrated In Louisiana other than Baton Rouge and New Orleans It's all spread out and mm-hmm. it, it's 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 really and that's why you can't just divide the state into sections, like Mike was suggesting um you can't do that like like th- those, because people that, don't realize like each that, co-
3: each congressional district has to have almost the same, same population, number. right
8: yes, same number of people mm-hmm. and um you, you you can't do that like like uh in the old days back until the 1950s, several states would say each uh each county gets one senator the the house will be population wise and this in each county gets one senator can't do that because like in atlanta in georgia all of the black voters were in fulton county and so they had one and and the whole rest of the senate was white and that's discriminatory so you, you you can't just draw draw shapes and draw lines you've got to look at the voting patterns of the people you've got to vote at. you've got to look at the concentrations um, and, and areas of interest and things along that line to, to make those determinations. I do think it is going to ultimately happen. The litigation has to run its course. I think it would be premature for the governor to call us back yet because the litigation hasn't run its course, and we haven't been ordered to by the court yet. I do think there is a very good likelihood that that will happen, but there, it's not a slam dunk because, again, while the arguments the plaintiffs made in Louisiana and Alabama cases were the same, the defenses were different. And mm-hmm. so we're not completely aligned um, with with the Alabama litigation. However, we are going to be bound by the result in the Alabama case. And the principles laid out by the court in the Alabama case yesterday um, are going to hold. And, and that, that was another thing. It was a very long opinion. It was strange for a Supreme Court opinion. I was trying to read it while we were on the floor doing all of our shenanigans. Mm-hmm. But it was um, it was I've never seen a Supreme Court decision full of newspaper article references and yeah. references to social media oh, wow. and it was it was strange mm. i've never seen i've never seen that before wow um and so it it it, it was and it was five to four decision. um two two uh you know a, a roberts of bush appointee and kavanaugh a trump appointee sided with the liberals and mm. um you know i, I i'm not going to tell you i think they were wrong I, I, I don't like the decision, um, but I, I don't know enough about the Alabama, how it was set up. I, I can't tell you, but gotcha. each state has to be treated with its own set of facts. Mm-hmm. Um, and Louisiana is a little bit different from Alabama, but the numbers, the percentages are similar. Gotcha. Um, but I'll tell you, the Voting Rights Act specifically says you don't do the math. You don't say Louisiana is you know 30 percent African-American and we have six congressmen, so therefore we need. To African Americans, the Voting Math Act specifically says you don't do that math. Oh. You have to look at all all of the other factors.
1: Gotcha.
3: Thank you, Alan, for your time. We appreciate it.
8: Thank you.
1: Have a good weekend, Mike and. 1017 FM, 710 Keel, Mike and McCarty. My my head's spinning. My head's just spinning. I know, I know,
3: I know.
1: We've we've talked with uh, Raymond Cruz this morning, Sharon Hewitt, Alan Sebaugh. Coming up uh, just after the break, we're going to talk with Gregory Tarver. Uh, His take, uh, it's kind of a swan song for Gregory Tarver. Mm -hmm, Unless they have a special session, he's pretty much done. We'll talk with him next, 1017 FM. 1017 FM, 710 Keel, Micah McCarty talking with uh, State Senator Gregory Tarver on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline. Uh, Senator, good morning. Thanks for talking with us. Are you still on the road this morning?
6: On the road, back to Street Point.
3: You were part of the conference committee that hashed out the budget um, right up until the last minute. We keep we seem to keep doing this, and, and we're in a rush in the last hour to put it all together. Why can't we do better?
6: Well, because it's politics. Everybody trying to get exactly what they want. We're trying to balance the budget. You have two sides. You have the House of Representatives, and you have the Senate, and the House never agrees with the Senate, and the Senate never agrees with the House. So they compromise.
3: Why didn't we do this two days ago? You know what I mean? Why don't we have some sort of rules in place or a week uh, ago? Or law in place that says we we gotta do this. We can't just come down to the last thirty minutes and we have thousands of documents to look at. It seems ridiculous.
6: I agree, but it is what it is. And if both sides argue their position and we compromise What what, are,
3: what, is, we what, what is Shreveport going to lose out on I mean I know you get in there and you fight for us but we're going to start reading this and what are we going to find in the in the small print
6: well Shreveport have not lost anything Shreveport have gained by uh, what, what give these, us some let examples me, let me give you an example the Linwood Bridge I've never been in there before you know the Linwood Bridge been closed for about six, seven, eight, or 9 months yeah, uh, we, we we got that into the capital outlay. We got LSU Medical School within the capital outlay more money for their programs, uh, and and to complete the educational building, uh, the final step of the educational building in Shreveport, Southern University reaped the benefits of more programs and their new gymnasium uh, in the city in city of CC Antoine um, uh, Park received more money. Uh, so Streetport fared very, very well. And many other programs in, in, in Streetport That's fair. And in Cattle Parish, the rural area uh, in Cattle Parish increased very well.
3: Teachers only getting a one time pay bump, though? Disappointed with that?
6: Well, let me say I was disappointed. That is what I mean we had to compromise. The house did not want to uh uh give the raise uh the way we would we would design it was designed to give. So what we decided to do uh to get the two thousand dollar teacher raise, they will receive the two thousand dollar teacher raise and other employees would be received one thousand dollars and at the same time we put it in the preamble uh to House Bill one that next year it would be a part of the MLP. Uh, then we did, we did a resolution for that. So it, it's in the preamble of the House Bill 1 that basically controls a lot of things in House Bill 1. And they're going to get it, and they're going to get it uh, next year in the uh, MLP.
3: The $100 million cuts to the Department of Health, what does that do? Who's going to be hit by that?
6: Well, let me say this to you. The Department of Health budget is approximately 18 and $19 billion, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going to lose only minimum things. A lot of people, let me give you an example. You have about maybe eight or 900 people in the Department of Health. Jobs are not filled right now, but we have the slots and we have them funded. Okay, mm-hmm. they don't have to look at the employment list, and that is the way they can do it. Services to the people will not be hit at all. Will not be hit at all. Any uh, jobs? Will there be, be
3: any job cuts?
6: No, no job cuts. They have about seven hundred people in this department that they have not hired. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, but they have slots for them. You know, believe it or not, it's hard to get people quality people to get in jobs today. It's very, very difficult. Everywhere everywhere you go, they're looking to hire people. So I don't think that the people will receive any less benefits at all.
3: You were in the conference committee. You were part of the inner circle. What when when you heard your colleagues bring up certain changes um, what was the biggest surprise for you? The one you had to fight the most on?
6: Well, you have to fight all the time on everything, positioned in the city of Freeport. You have to remember they they treat us like we're stuffed kids. We're not in part of Louisiana. We're part of Texas. So it's everything at all times. You have to continue to fight for the city of Freeport because they think we're part of Texas. And this has been going on, this is my 32nd year. And it's been going on for 32 years. We need to start sending people to Baton Rouge. And we have, do not have the people, good people in Baton Rouge that we need from Shreveport. Preston is good, but the other guys only concerned about the limelight. Not getting money for the city of Shreveport. And that is the problem. Not working with everybody. Not that you like everybody because you're not sent to Baton Rouge to like people. You're sent in Baton Rouge to get the job done for Shreveport and Cattle Parish. And our people have failed us in the House of Representatives in Baton Rouge.
3: Everybody but Presley
6: has failed us? Everybody but Presley has failed us. Glover. Jenkins. Jenkins, Jenkins, Well, Glover never there. Governor have missed more meetings in the house than any other member. Jenkins, Jenkins F- Phelps,
3: they're, they're not they're not uh, getting the job done.
6: No, no Jenkins is working very hard. He's a good man. He's working with people. But I'm telling you, look at the other people that you have down there. Crews don't don't work with people. Uh, uh, the guy up in All City. McCormick. Uh, uh, McCormick don't work with people. Seaball? Seaball don't work with people. Why do you think they never get nothing in this district? Every year, McCormick do not work with people. They try to take money out of the district because of McCormick. I have to go over there and explain to them that this is my district. I'm not concerned about what McCormick is doing. I'm concerned about what we need to get done up in North Louisiana. And I'm telling you, and people might forget it, might not think about it. They look, might look at the gun deal. But let me tell you something. You better look at the money coming to Shreveport because it's all about the money.
3: Mm. Okay, Senator Tarver, this could have been your last session. We probably will have a special session, I imagine. What's ahead for Senator Greg Tarver?
6: I'm going to... Come to Streetport. I'm gonna work at the mortuary, work in my office supply company. I'm gonna be involved within the political arena, but I'm gonna more than likely take a back seat. Are you go- Are you gonna 40, get involved? Years.
3: Are you gonna get involved in the race to replace you? Will you endorse a candidate who's running for your seat?
6: Yes, I will. Yeah, I'm going. Let me say this to you, and I'm being honest with you. If you look at the record how many committee meetings that Glover missed, you will be shocked. This is the first year that he's down been down there more than any time. Other years, he was there 50% of the time. You cannot have a person representing you 50% of the time in Baton Rouge. You need someone to represent you 100% of the time in Baton Rouge. And I'm only telling you, what I know, because I'm over in the house all the time, talking to them, trying to get things done, love is never there.
1: So who would you support to replace you in your seat?
6: I'm going to look and see the people who's running, and then I'll make a decision. But I can tell you one thing, they'll be Barbara Norton. <laughs> I want someone to represent the rural area in Cattle Parish. I want the rural area to get their for a share in Cattle Parish. You, in are, you you right, are you done with politics? Are you done running for office? I don't know. I don't know. It might be an opportunity to pop up, and I don't want to say. Let me tell you something. Never say never. Mm-hmm. I said that once, and I lied to myself and ran back for the Senate. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> okay, you looks like you're headed to a special session on redistricting. Uh, in light of the alabama supreme court decision um how soon would you like the governor to call y'all back
6: he needs to, uh about some of his vetoes might wind up mm-hmm. calling us back also um uh, but you're whatever you, whatever you want to call it back it's okay with me
3: gotcha senator greg tarver thanks for your time sir Thank you all. You bet.
1: Have a good weekend. Drive safely on your way home. 1017 FM 17. 101.7 101.7 FM, 710 KEO, Mike and McCarty. Oh, wow, Aaron, my head's just spinning. What a day. What a day it's been. Good gravy. Gosh. Gosh. Ruben, she's been working the phones. Lots yeah. of you up texts. You up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, congratulations. Uh It is frustrating. Though It's just frustrating.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: And and you're not going to convince me about district lines, how it's not racist, right. the way they do it. I know. That's, you're you're basing it on race. Anyway, uh, we did get some news yesterday. A, a Facebook page went live today. Of,
3: an official word. We kind of knew this a long time ago. We knew it was ago, coming, yeah. but mm-hmm. but
1: uh, Henry Whitehorn is officially... In the in the race for Caddo Parish Sheriff, right? And like said, we knew it was coming, we'd heard reports. He said he wasn't going to announce mm-hmm. until July, but uh, apparently that got moved up. Yes. So uh, he's officially announced that, uh, and they've got a fundraiser, I think, coming up at Orlando's uh, out on Cross Lake
3: hmm. Tuesday, Come, right?
1: Yeah, coming next week.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And this is help us welcome. Uh, you know, Whitehorn announcing for sheriff.
3: And he's got a Facebook page, Whitehorn for sheriff and yes. all that stuff, right? Interesting. He, and he's announcing his candidacy. That's that's going to be his hurdle, to be honest, is um, fundraising. Can he catch up with the sheriff? Sheriff Steve Prater's got a large war chest. He had a big fundraiser a week or so ago. Um, can Whitehorn, you know, get the cash rolling in? Because he's going to need that. It's going to be important impeccable law enforcement background oh, i yeah. have no no complaints about that
1: he used to head of the state louisiana state police or oh, streetport yeah. police chief us marshal us marshal mm-hmm. sir yeah
3: his his time with the adrian Perkins um Mayoral administration is going to be the one that is, people are going to go, yeah.
1: Which is the most recent. Mm -hmm. And now what was his title? He was CAO. He was CAO. Mm,
3: But I, but you know, I mean, he will be able to say, look, I tried to do the right thing. I try, I was the per, I was the grown up in the room that was trying to make people be accountable and, and do everything correctly. Um, so he can say that. I mean, I think he can validly say that he was responsive to most of us. Um, You know and tried to make sure that we were dotting all the i's and no scandal there's no scandal really attached to him no um i would like to hear from him and i'm going to call him today when i get done and try to set him up for next week to come in uh why 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 run against sheriff prater what is he doing something wrong are you do you have plans to do something better i mean those are the questions i mean you could retire now he's he he has a retirement that's you know, beyond what anybody makes as a salary.
1: Well, a lot of the announcements were made. I say announcements. He, apparently, he was introduced throughout the room during a fundraiser for Cattle Parish DA James Stewart. Mm-hmm. So there's a tie-in now between Whitehorn and James Stewart. Sure. And we know there's no love lost between Stewart and Cattle Parish Sheriff Steve Prater. Right. So... So now there's that dynamic that Mm -hmm. people are looking at,
3: and is the DA getting heavily involved in the sheriff's race? And should he? Should he just kind of let the the public? You know, I don't know. I mean, that you know, and we know that perhaps things would run smoothly if he had a sheriff he could get along better with. I don't know. I don't know if that's the case.
1: But but define smoothly,
3: right? Exactly. Would it be Would it be what we all wanted? would it be nobody ever criticized him again right cuz Henry Whitehorn's not going to come out and criticize the DA if he were to become the sheriff he's not going to step up and say hey the DA needs to be doing this 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 and this um where Steve Prater has said we you know we right. need to quit pleading pleading these cases we need to keep these gun charges on people and you know they've been letting th- these
1: criminals back on the street mm-hmm.
3: but this i mean Prater hasn't had a real serious challenge in a long, long time. So, th- and I consider Whitehorn to be a serious challenger. Mm-hmm. And we will see what the city wants.
1: Have a great weekend. Mm-hmm. Micah McCarty, 1017 FM.